We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show. A lot going on with the NBA playoffs. We've got some new players declaring for the NBA draft. We've got some news about offseason moves, all kinds of stuff to dive into. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Joined by Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA. Keith, let's start with the stars and who might be back in action. I guess let's go with Luca first. Uh, looks like he is out for game three, but maybe back for game four. That makes game three. Does that make game three a must win for Utah? Yeah, pretty close. I I, I think, yeah, because the way this series has been played and has been so close without Luca, you got to feel like that would tilt things. Now, it, it this is always gets weird, right? Because, you know, you can't just say, well, Luca comes back, they blow him out in game game two because Jalen Brunson scored so many points. Well, Jalen Brunson probably wouldn't have scored so many points if Luca played. It's not like you just take Luca's averages and, and throw and him on, on top, top yeah. right? <laughs> it, it'd be kind of funny if that is how it worked, though. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I I feel like it's almost that way for Utah anyway. Like they really should have been up 2-0. Like the, this is not great that you couldn't get both without Luca. I, I, and that's I'm not trying to insult the rest of the Mavs and, and the like, but yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's pretty close to to a must win. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm in agreement. I think that uh, the the Jazz needed to seize this opportunity and get a couple of wins on the Mavs while they could while Luca was out, but. Now with him coming back, I think they've they've missed a little bit of this opportunity here, and I think it is a must-win for them. I still don't think, I mean, we've heard enough about kind of the turmoil in Utah, about, you know, potentially a coaching change, about roster changes coming and, and all of that. It wouldn't shock me if the Mavs emerge victorious. That's what I've been predicting here. Even if they do get by, though, I don't have the Jazz going too far in the playoffs this year. Either way, but I think with Luca back, I think the Mavs are just clearly the better team. Now, the better team doesn't always win, but I do yep. think that if if the Mavs take Game Three, that's I think that's really gonna be all she wrote for for the Jazz. Yeah, I agree too. I, maybe they they can win another one at home. It is one of the better home court advantages in the league, but yeah, I I don't know. It, it it's. It doesn't look great right now. I just, my, my faith in the jazz is gone. It's, you know, I know somebody a couple of shifts back was like, he's like, I just can't quit the jazz. And I was like, I, I I'm done. I'm out. Like, you know, get, get to the West finals and then maybe I'll believe right. again. But for now I'm out. Like, and I'm not saying they're going to lose. Maybe they do win, but, but I, I, you know, I'm not getting behind it anymore. Speaking of other players who are coming back. Now we know with at least a decent amount of certainty, Ben Simmons. He's going to suit up, not for game three, but for game four. Now, we've been talking all about this, that 
if it's 0-3, the series, if the Celtics win game three, do you really bring back Ben Simmons for like do or die, like lose and you go home situation? Do you put him in in that scenario? I don't know, but I mean, it sounds fairly certain from all the reports that Ben Simmons will indeed play in game four. Um, I mean, I think it's kind of a, a must win game three for the Nets regardless. Oh, 100%. But the situation yeah. becomes a bit more bizarre if it's lose and go home <laughs> and then you put Ben Simmons into the rotation. That's that's a tough spot to be in. I truly believe that if they lose um, game three, that we'll either get a, there was a setback report and Ben Simmons isn't going to play in game four or we'll get a, you know, uh, we've decided just to hold Ben or straightforward. We've decided to hold him out because um, that doesn't mean that's just dumb because it just, it can't, it's, I, I'm not, I, again, I, I'm not trying to disrespect the Nets, but you fall behind three. Oh, you're losing the series. So what is Ben Simmons going to do in game four? That's going to make you going to be so great that you're going to you know, move on. And, and I get it. Maybe he comes in and he is amazing. And it's like, holy cow, this was everything the Nets needed to unlock them. And then they move on. But I, I don't know. I just I, I tend not to believe that's where this will go. It's weird. I feel like both of these games, anytime you're down 2-0 as the road team and you're going home, or I guess even if you're the original home, the higher seeded team and you're down 2-0, games three and four are basically must wins because you can't go – of course, you lose game three. The series is essentially over. But even if you go down 3-1 and it's headed back to the, the arena for game five, you're probably done there too. So I, I tend to think, you know, the, you got to get these wins. you got to hold – you know, when the first team holds serve, you have to hold mm-hmm. serve. You're, you're in, otherwise, you're probably going to lose in game five. That's right. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. It's uh, – I'm a little bit – anxious to see Ben Simmons out there to see what he, I mean, we haven't seen him play basketball sure. in a year. Yeah. So to see him back out there, I'd be excited for it, but I think it becomes more interesting if it's a two, one series than if it's a three Oh series to get Ben Simmons I back out there. Com- completely agree. Now let's spend another minute on this if we can, because sure. someone on our prior show asked, why do you guys feel like Simmons? You, you can't play Simmons. And I think it was more directed towards me. So I'll answer my part of this first is Ben Simmons is arguably the most unique player in the NBA because of his size and the way he plays. It's not, no one else is like that. There's not another six foot 10 point guard who doesn't shoot from the outside at all. So what that means is you have to, as Philadelphia did for the better part of five seasons, I guess it was try to craft an offense that fits around Ben Simmons. And the reality is that's very difficult to to do because you're in a weird spot with all this other stuff. Um, and I'm only going to talk the offensive side first, and then I'll get to the defensive part. So people go to two things. That's that's all well and good, but even next year when maybe things are good, he's not going to be taking the ball out of Kyrie and Kevin Durant's hands. So you're just going to use him as a screener and roller, play him like they play Bruce Brown. Except Ben Simmons has never, ever done mm-hmm. that. He has historically been one of the worst screeners in the league to the point where Philly just stopped doing it. They just completely took it out because it just did not work at all for them. So that's that's part one. Part two is people say, well, then just put him in the dunker spot, have him hang out there, and then if he gets it, he's right at the basket and will shoot. Maybe, but then where do you play Andre Drummond? Where do you play Nick Claxton? 
are you really going to put Ben Simmons at the five in what has been arguably the most physical series I can remember in the last four or five years, at least like the way the Celtics are making an effort to really hit everybody and really bang bodies. So that's a problem. Plus that clogs the lane that challenges uh, Durant and Kyrie from getting to the rim and all these other things. Now you flip to the defensive side. Sure. In theory, Ben Simmons is a great defender and I'm sure eventually he will be a great defender again. I'm just not sure he's that guy after a year off. It takes a little while to find your defensive legs and your defensive rhythm. And again, what's Boston going to do? If let's say cuz everybody says you put him on Jason Tatum, you know, he's the best defender for Jason Tatum that they have. That probably is true, except for what the Celtics will do is they'll just hammer him with screens. Yeah whether it be straight pick and rolls or they'll run Tatum through, you know, the maze of baseline screens where the whole thing is designed around to hit Simmons and put him on the floor. Even if that means, Hey, we gave up a foul or two here or there. I mean, they're giving fouls left and right in this series. The Celtics are defending Kevin Durant. They'll do the same thing there. So I think what ultimately happens is you're really putting him in a position where is he up to it physically to take the pounding that he's going to take. And then offensively, it's just too hard to work. I continue to believe 100% next season this has the potential to be devastating because you'll you'll see it. You'll figure out the lineup combinations, the rotations that work with him, all the spots on the floor where everybody is. Right now, in a playoff series, on the fly, when you're in must-win scenarios, just call me skeptical. That's a little more detail on why I feel that way. And so much of the defensive side of the floor, it's about being on the same page. As your teammates, it's about having that chemistry. That's why we talk about about cohesiveness uh, from one season to the next, having that kind of consistency and how it can be difficult when you're throwing together a lineup to have all of that, to truly be on the same page. You have to have more than ever in today's NBA, you have to have all five players in sync. They have to be lined up on a, yep. on the mental side of things, understanding exactly what everybody else on the team is going to do. You have to have that. If you don't, you're going to get exploited. The best teams in the NBA, they recognize every time the defense makes a mistake and they punish them for it. The Celtics will do that. If Ben Simmons is off a little bit, right? If he doesn't make the right read, if he misinterprets what a teammate is doing. So this is not going to be a necessarily a cure all for the Nets in this series. I think what it's going to be is it gives you a guy who's got the size, got the physical profile to do the things that the Nets, I think, do need out there on the floor in terms of the defensive side of the ball. The question is, is that enough to mitigate any sort of fit issues, rust, things like that, growing pains, whatever you want to call it in terms of integrating within that team? We'll see. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe he gets out there. He gets in the open court a bunch, gets in transition, does some things on the offensive end there. Defensively, he's able to help them, give them that that extra size they need on the floor. And then off they go. But I'm skeptical that that's what's what's ultimately going to happen. But again, I'm excited to see him play because I think he is an incredible talent and I can't wait to see what he can do out there. But again, it's it's much more interesting if it's 2-1 series than if it's if it's 3-0. Yeah, if it's 3-0, just, there's no reason. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. And all they need to be doing, let's say it goes great. All you've done now is give everybody a peek at, hey, this is what you got to prepare right. for next season. <laughs> you know, I also think, too, this is just an extremely bad matchup because the Celtics know how to defend Ben Simmons. Like, they they are, you know, fully understanding of, Barry, we put size on him and play off him. 
and he's not going to drive into size at the rim. So you just play, you know, a mile off him. And now, now that we've said all this, watch Ben Simmons has spent the last year shooting nothing but threes <laughs> and comes Secret out, he's be putting, you know, drilling, drilling pull-ups and everything else. I mean, you know, Hey, if it is cool, like that's great. I mean, uh, we've all wanted that for, you know, half a decade now, but yeah. So, all right, let's move on. That's, that's more than enough Ben Simmons. All talk. right, let's go. Uh, Devin Booker is out <laughs> two to three weeks with a grade one hamstring strain. Yeah, this is this is not good. Uh I still I still have to imagine the Suns are gonna find their way past the Pelicans. I think it becomes a longer series, which if you know, I mean you're waiting for Devin Booker yeah. to, to recover anyway, but I still think this is going to become a longer series. I I don't see like if Devin Booker's never hundred percent again, I think that could take the Suns out of it. But I think they get past the Pelicans still it might go a bit longer. The question is, what does it mean for next round? Because two to three weeks, and then if it's three weeks, then what happens from there? That's where things start to get dicey. But I just, I have to believe the Suns can survive the Pelicans as good as the Pelicans looked in game two. Yeah, I, I tend to think question, if though, the no. Suns, yeah, absolutely. If the Suns are who we think they are as a team, they should win this series. They, they even without Devin Booker, like that's if you're the number eight seed going against a a or excuse me the number one seed going against the number eight seed that I get it the Pelicans went through a very weird season. They're not nearly as bad as their record looks, but you can't like put it into a spot where it is you should not lose right that that uh um game. Right, like you're that that series, you should win that series no matter what. Sorry, there's news like breaking that we're gonna cover next because it's Chris Middleton oh. related, um, and I'm just seeing it, but we'll we'll get to it. Um, so I think the the thing is here, it then becomes though, as you said, it's just harder. Right now, you have to work harder to figure it out. You're gonna have to probably maybe this is gonna take six games instead of you know, four or five, it's clear that I can take four anymore, but maybe it could mm. be five. Um, it's just going to be harder to, to pull off. Then it becomes my worry is because I we're in agreement there. Sun should still win. It's the next round because we saw James Harden, a hamstring bothered him for yep. a year. Like it's not like sometimes hamstrings are tough and you can't, you just, you, you're not right until you can really take, take downtime and really sit out and, and all that stuff. So now I hope this is one of those ones that he recovers quickly and he's okay. And off we go. I just, I, it's just, I, I'm nervous about this one just because of the nature of the hamstring injury. Yeah. It's uh those can be tricky. They can be prone to re-injury. They can be, I mean, he's dealt with hamstring issues before, I mean, not, not great. Certainly not great. I hope that he's able to come back and be healthy. I hope the Suns are able to put themselves in a spot to still win without him. But I think this just throws a lot of question marks out there. Um, it is now much, now it's more, I'm not saying it is likely, but it's more likely now that the Pelicans are able to, to pull off an upset. Uh, I don't think it's going to have, I think the Suns will still win, but then what happens next round? Where do you, where do you go from there? Uh, it's it's going to be a bit more dicey now for the Phoenix Suns again. Hopefully Devin Booker gets back, and hopefully the Suns can can tread water while he's out. But the playoffs can be pretty unforgiving with stuff like that. So we'll see what ultimately happens here. Yeah. And again, just hopefully fingers crossed he does heal up. Uh, you mentioned the the Chris Middleton thing. Yeah, Woj reporting 
that he has an MCL sprain in his left knee, reevaluated in two weeks. Again, we always say this, reevaluated does not mean return. That means in two weeks, they're going to check and see where he's at. That's a big blow yep. for the Milwaukee Bucks and their playoff hopes here. Again, losing to the Chicago Bulls last night. It's similar situation, really. Like, I I think the Bucks will probably survive the Chicago Bulls, even without Middleton, although it becomes a much bigger question mark there. But next round, what does that look like? That's where things start to really become uh, a tough sell for Milwaukee. And I had Milwaukee as probably my team coming out of the East. If Middleton isn't back, if he's out for round two, I don't think they get get through the second round. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No, I mean, I've been saying it for months. Suns, Bucks are my pick, and I felt no reason to move off that. Even as the matchups and the seeding came down and everything, I felt like they were the two best teams and that they would get there. I, I, I'm less certain they're going to win this mm-hmm. first-round series. I'm, I'm nervous for them. They should be down 2-0. <laughs> they were bad, really, really bad in game one. The Bulls were just way worse. Like the Bulls literally could not make a shot in game one. I mean, that was one of the worst shooting performances you're ever going to see in, in in any kind of game. I, that, this is tough because, so this is minimum two weeks is the rest of the first round. And as you said, your hope now is that you get done with the Bulls, get it done in five, maybe six, that Celtics Nets go seven. And then there's a couple days and then you go and then maybe he misses only a game or two of that, that second round series. Um, if, you know, they're against the Celtics or the Nets, that's your, your, your really only, only hope. Like you, you just, you're, you're in trouble without Chris Middleton. What gets missed with him, I think is Giannis is a completely different thing, right? When I say Middleton is their best off the dribble score. Right. It's not that Giannis isn't it, but Giannis is just a, it's off the dribble overpower you and dunk right. on your head. Like that's a different thing. Chris Middleton's a guy they throw it to when there's five seconds on the shot clock and it's created good luck. Like Middleton's a guy they go to. We saw at the end of game two, Drew Holiday struggled. He, cause that's not really his game. He, he's better setting guys up and then playing off those guys, which is fine. You need guys like that, but it is, I, I don't know, man. It is, uh, it, I, I'm not going to pick the Bulls to beat them now, but it's it's going to be close. I I the Bucks are going to have a hard time here just because the Bulls they just keep coming. And Chicago found something with putting Caruso on Giannis at the end of the game. You can't do that all game. Caruso will fall out. It, it, he'll let play 15 minutes and fall out. But last five minutes, 
put Caruso out there. He's going to put his body on the line. He's going to disrupt Giannis's dribble. He's going to pick him up at half court versus letting him, you know, hit the arc with a full head of steam. They found something at the end of that with that. That's a last couple minutes of the half, last five minutes of the game thing. And you just hope for the best, but it's, it's going to be tough for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is, two, I mean, two major injuries that could take out two of the contenders right now, two of our favorites going into, yep. into the playoffs. Yep. Um, yeah, t- tough, tough times. That was my finals. Yeah, pick. <laughs> I picked Suns over Bucks. That's like, what that's what I had too. Was I had Suns and Bucks heading into yeah. the finals, and that's that's now looking very much in question. And it's and yep. it's not necessarily that they're playing so poorly. I mean, the Bucks okay didn't play that well, but but still, overall, this would be an injury thing that would probably prevent them from getting where they need to go. So, hopefully, yep. he does heal up and. Um, and they can figure out a way to get him back in action sooner rather than later. But again, just like the Suns, the Bucks are going to be looking and, and hoping, hoping that they get uh, some quick healing. <laughs> just made me think of that that song, wishing, hoping. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I won't say any more on the show. <laughs> Ra- yeah, round two. that'll be a summer show too. <laughs> uh, let's talk about it. So the NBA draft, we've got a couple of guys that uh, yeah. Paulo Bancaro and Chet Holmgren both declare for the draft. I mean, they're expected to be two of the top picks. Not a surprise, yep. but still official now that they have declared for the NBA draft. Yeah, we're down to it for uh, declarations to happen. It is on, uh, it's essentially midnight on the 24th going into the 25th. It's really 11.59 p.m. on Saturday the 24th is the deadline to declare as an early entry candidate. Players then have up until 10 days ahead of the draft uh, to opt out of uh, being in the NBA draft, which I believe is, let me make sure, the draft is on the June 23rd. So the 13th at 5 p.m. is the withdrawal deadline. So so players can can opt out for they, they've still got a while to opt out of the draft. Um, and then the NCAA, I'd have to look it up and see if they still have that silly thing where their deadlines earlier. I that's my bad. I, I don't know that I will try to find that out. But it is. Uh, yeah, this is definitely a um, interesting thing here where um, we're seeing more and more kids are declaring going through the process the initial rounds of the process and then figuring out all right is this do i want to stay or do i want to go back to school and i think that's great mm-hmm. I, I think it is really good um we just saw oscar um i, I think i'm gonna say this right Shibui. um he is uh was the national player of the year at kentucky he is um going back to school and it was reported he makes over two million dollars from the nil stuff wow so Great yeah. for him, right? I mean, this is awesome because this is a guy who, despite being a great college player, probably a mid-second round pick type of guy. And I like seeing these guys finish out your college run, you know, feel pretty good about it. The the NCAA still get that weird thing because of the COVID impacted mm-hmm. seasons where guys are can stay an additional year. Um, so you're seeing a lot of guys stay for five, some even six years in college. Um, but I, I think this is a good thing with the way that the NCAA and NBA are working together on this. It's a lot more sensible about giving kids more information, really trying out the process, see where they're at, and then get back to school if that's ultimately where they should be. Some of them, Paulo Bancaro, Chad Holmgren, Jabari Smith, they're never setting foot back right. on a college campus unless it's to catch a game or say hello it's to some no friends. Brainer. They are not yeah, they those guys are done. But guys who are late first rounders, second rounders, potentially undrafted guys like this is good that they can get back to school and you know hey even if you make 
$20,000 off the local sandwich shop in your college town, that's $20,000 that you you can now make because the NCAA finally smartened up. And after years and years of profiting off the kids, they're actually letting the kids profit off themselves a little bit, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Another weird... And it smartened up or lost lawsuits. Whatever. So we'll, 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 we'll let people battle <laughs> semantics. Um, I know one we want to talk about. Shaden Sharp from Kentucky declares for the draft. Yes. And there was a little bit of weirdness in terms of he hasn't really played much recently for certain reasons. <laughs> yeah, did not play at uh, uh, Kentucky this past year and what was his freshman season because there were questions about his eligibility. Um, in order to play in college, you have to have graduated from high school. And there were questions of, you know, did he actually really graduate? Did he graduate on time? All these other things um, with this. So um, he, without playing, he's expected to be a high lottery pick because people are that high on him. Um, and he's going to gonna head into the draft. This is kind of similar to um, Ennis Cantor back in the day. Um, didn't play, I, I believe, at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause there were eligibility questions, um, and they held him out. And then he was a, uh, I believe fourth overall pick, um, in the draft, um, when he was selected. So that's kind of where this could go. We could, I don't know, he's going to be fourth, but it's probably going to be a lottery pick. Um, and we'll, we'll see where it goes. There was a report earlier today. I, I looked, I could not find who it was. It was a college basketball reporter that said they reached out. His high school has answered and confirmed he attended, he graduated, they said a lot of other really nice things about the young man. And then they said, we will provide the NBA and whoever needs his transcripts that prove. Because obviously the NBA, you have to be a year um, out from your high school graduating class to be eligible for the draft. So um, so that that's where it's at. So Shaden Sharp will be in the NBA draft, likely to be a high pick. But just don't be confused when you're looking. You're like, this guy had no stats. What happened here? Now, now you have a little bit of the story. All right. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. A little strange, but you know what? Everybody has their own path to the <laughs> <Yeah>. NBA. <laughs> That's um, true. Hey, let's do one more college yes. thing just real quick because there is a little bit of NBA overlap. Jay Wright of yes. Villanova retired. Um, he, he retired last night, uh, told told his team, and he's going to move on. Um, the NBA overlap is this guy's been pushed hard by several NBA teams to make the jump to the NBA and has always said no. And Woj, who's, who's I think got a pretty good relationship with him, um, say, reported that this wasn't a I'm retiring because I'm going to head to the it's NBA a, thing. It's, it's not that. he um, you know, It's I'm retiring. I'm done. Well, I mean, my guess is he'll do he, – he's – done some like uh after the season tv Mm -hmm. stuff on occasion he's really good we'll see him pop up somewhere on tv is my guess but that's obviously far less uh demanding than it is to do the full um you know coaching and everything like that so so this was not a he's retiring from villanova to go coach an nba team that's not what's happening here so cross him off your list list. i know know you mean he's off he's off my (laughs) list sorry i'm he's uh i'll scratch that one off and we'll focus back in on Whoever else is on there. Do you think he doesn't want to come to the NBA because he can't wear his amazing suits anymore? Because he look out of well, place. Because they, they, they dress down now. Everybody else look. I mean, bad, he could. He just look weird. He can't yeah. wear them. He look weird, he's right? Not, I mean, I guess he, he could. have to yeah, wear them, but true. he can. True. He can. Good point. Maybe that, but maybe that's why he doesn't want to go to the NBA. That, maybe he's like they, they, they look like slobs. <laughs> I, I don't. I want to you know, look look good. I, I mean. <laughs> I, I sorry, I'm taking I guess you're giving me you're giving me Pat Riley from the '80s flashbacks in terms of the the oh, suits and is. all that, but but in any event, um, let's talk some transactions. 
Ter- yeah. Terrence Ross wants a transaction. He wants a trade. Wants to be traded out of Orlando. Wants to leave the Magic. Says that he feels like he's part of the previous regime, not part of the future. He's been in trade rumors for at least a few seasons now. Is this the the offseason we finally see the Magic move on from Terrence Ross? Has to be. Can't bring him back yeah. now. Now, and and this wasn't a this place sucks. I hate sure. it here. I don't want to be here anymore. But it also wasn't a uh, you know. Hey, I get it. Like they're like it was a. I'm ready right. to go. And, and the thing that was leads a little bit more to me saying he's got to go is they don't really let me know too much about what they're doing. So I'm just kind of here along for the ride. And then he said, when asked, you know, do you need to make a specific trade demand or trade request? They know that they're well aware of that. So there's no point. They're going to do what they want to do regardless. Now he's not wrong. I mean, and Terrence Ross has been around for, you know, a very long time and he knows how the game is played in the NBA. He knows how all this works. Um, Quite frankly, I'm stunned he's still there, period. Like, that's been a little surprising to, you know, I mean, I I tweeted out the Will Smith gif, you know, two years ago when they traded everybody away of, you know, I'm looking at the empty room. And then this past year, I was like, I can't believe this is still going on. And I just wrote for Spot Track in the first offseason preview, which was happened to be the Orlando Magic. Promise there was nothing. I didn't know anything. This came, by the way, this report from Kobe Price, who's the new beat writer for the Orlando Sentinel, covering the Magic, doing a great job uh, there. He, um, I wrote, it's time to trade Terrence Ross. Like, you got to get this done. He's got an $11.5 million contract next year. Very tradable. That's barely above the... Yeah, expiring barely above the mid-level exception. He didn't have a great year this past season. You know, um, really struggled to shoot the ball. He's now, let's see, he is 31 now, so he'll turn uh, 32 halfway through next season. Uh, he's, he's 10 years under his belt, but in theory, still he can be a guy who I think could shoot pretty good off the bench for a team. He's done that for a number of years. He's not a great defender, but he's also not be a complete turn style out there either. Um can get out and run a little bit in transition too. So my guess is the magic will find a return for him. Probably a second round pick, maybe a young player, maybe gets put into a bigger trade package that mm-hmm. returns, you know, bad salary. Maybe, maybe I don't, it's, it's funny. I just kind of was playing around with some stuff, doing some off season work. And I was like, Maybe Orlando is the team that says, you know what, we'll take Russ and sit him and see if we can work a buyout. I mean, can you get Gary Harris via sign and trade? Because right, you'd be moving Ross. So you know, as long as you don't get too crazy with the money, Ross and somebody else, and you know, dip under the tax apron maybe if you're the Lakers. That you know, everybody got focused on the Hornets, but that you could maybe find something workable uh, there to to get a couple veterans in. So you know, but it's you know, I, if I was the Lakers, you know, shoot higher. You know, I would hope, but you know, um, and I like Gary Harris as a player but yeah i mean if you're the magic you had those few weird veterans robin lopez gary harris terrence ross um lopez i think could be back they liked what he did as the you know veteran center um harrison ross i don't think there's any chance either one of them is back next season yeah i agree um on the Ross thing the challenge is that gary harris signed and trade triggering that hard cap that's something yeah you'd have to get under the yeah you'd have to you'd have to figure out a way to clear some space there but but in any event, it's an interesting landing spot if they were willing to to buy him out. Uh, Robin Lopez, look, I mean, it's close to Disney World. We've talked about it. So that, oh, that yeah, doesn't yeah. hurt. That doesn't hurt to sell yep. him and, and keep him around. And, and he seems like the kind of veteran that would thrive in that type of scenario. So 
Um, last yeah. thing that we got. But, yeah. All right. The Cavs, they want to keep Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, and Karis Levert together. Now, the last two, okay, yeah, right? No problem. The but Colin Sexton, that's a little bit of a surprise. We had heard that they were trying to potentially move him at the trade deadline, try to find a new home for him, see if they can get something that can help them win right now. Of course, he, he had a season-ending injury. What do you what do you think about this? About about the Cavs kind of saying that we want to try to keep him restricted free? Is this is this to try to scare away suitors, or do you think this is legit? They want to move forward with Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Karis Levert as their trio. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, for what it's worth, too, Colin Sexton also said he wants to Uh be there um, as well. So I think that's important to to factor. And I think Cleveland's now turned that corner. Right. Where guys are saying, hey, we're building something here and I want to be a part of it, which is awesome. Right. And, and why not? Right. Because you, you really have a pretty young core with Allen, Mobley, Garland, Okoro, maybe um, their season probably goes a little bit better if Colin Sexton doesn't get hurt. Um, I, I, it's just the money needs to be right. For Colin Sexton, unfortunately for him, he wasn't able to get back this season off the injury. So that's a little concerning. Um, I I just don't know where what even feels fair value for him now. Probably I would feel good if from both sides, if it's something like 15 million annual Mm -hmm. average value um, there, because then that kind of is there. If I'm Sexton, maybe I consider a little bit of a shorter deal. Um, and get get myself back on the market if I could. Um, but with that, um, this could be one too where maybe this gets a little ugly and the Pistons or one of these sure. other teams with cap space decides to jump in there and yeah, throw an player. offer sheet around. Yeah, I'm a big yeah. Colin Sexton guy. I, I I think he's awesome. I I I really do. I, I you know I hammered this I think in the early days of the show. He's not this inefficient guy that people make him out to be. He's not some gunner who's scoring 25 points and shooting 35%. He shoots pretty well from the floor. And I think we saw how valuable he was. I was disappointed with the Levert fit. And you know, the minute Sexton went down, I started hammering Levert to Cleveland. Even before Rubio went down. And then they, they and then I was like, they've got to do yep. this now. Um, but man, he just, he wasn't. He didn't, didn't look good in the play in tournament. Like it was, you know, didn't look good, didn't didn't really seem to necessarily fit. Took a lot of wasted possessions with it that kind of went nowhere at times into a really tough shot or a turnover. Um, but he's under contract for another year. You need three guards. I mean, that's clear to anybody at this point, ought to be, or at least three ball handlers. And Lavert is enough size. You could, in theory, if Allen and Mobley are out there to back them up. You could probably play them together, um, you know, for stretches, those three, because Levert has a little bit of size. So, yeah, I, I, I don't mind it. You know, I, I'm I'm okay with Cleveland as long as they structure things right, kind of running it back a little bit. If they, if they do the contract right, I think that's the way to go for them because then if, if you get to a point where you're midway through the season and you say, well, you know what, this isn't really working, then okay, yep. you can probably then trade him and get something for him. 
that is mm-hmm. in my mind if i'm the Cavs, that's preferable to well it just isn't going to work so we'll see you later and we'll let you sign somewhere else and, but again that's with Ooh. as long as the contract is within reason you don't go crazy and pay him this deal that that people won't want to trade yeah. for which I, I don't expect the Cavs will do so if i'm cleveland i'm saying the same thing too i'm saying yeah we, we want to keep him around let's keep him around just in case yeah. who, hey, who knows maybe somebody needs him in a sign and trade and, and so you do something there, but you don't want to burn that bridge and make it sound like, oh, we're not yeah. going to bring him back. You're better off bringing him back. And then if it really doesn't work, if, it's, if it gets too crowded, whatever happens, you can always move him later on down the line. Well, and what you said there, if it gets too crowded, if it's not working out with one of them having to come off the bench, most likely, you can always move Levert too. Yeah. You can always try to flip him uh, later. Somebody was kind of saying, man, they do this. It was maybe in the comments on that article um, that came out. This is mostly coming out of The Athletic. Um, uh, Kelsey Russo did a kind of end of the year wrap up on the Cavs. Um, but man, it might have this story. So I was like, we do this. This takes, remember they, there was a lot of talk of they'll resign Ricky Rubio. And they can because Rubio is an ending contract. He wasn't waived um, by the Pacers um, go, going into to all that stuff. So that that's a little different the way that whole situation works out. But um, when you get into it, I don't know that takes him out. Maybe this says if Rubio is coming back and says, hey, I'll take part of your mid-level or whatever it is, give me $5 million of sure. it, I'll rehab the first, you know, probably – half to three quarters of the year and then i'll come in as almost like your trade deadline backup point guard edition uh acquisition rather and, and play it out that way and maybe that frees you up by then you've got enough data on our right, what do we need to move one of these guys for the big thing is you i don't want to see isaac okoro get squeezed too yeah. much and lose too much time he's too important to them going forward but i i think you can make it work with all of them and then just kind of let it sort itself out later you don't lose talented players because you're going with a early mindset of this isn't going to work. I would rather make it, see it not work and then try to handle it there. And you can always make an early trade too. You know, you, you could, you could, you know, look to do something, you know, right on that December 15th when really the major trade window opens up and, and try to get it done there. If you had to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course that's, again, that's preferable to watching talent walk away and not getting anything in return. So Something important for the Cavs to note moving forward. We'll see what they ultimately do contractually with Colin Sexton, but sounds like right now they're open to keeping him and keeping that trio of Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, and Karis LeVert. All right. Trevor, how awesome is it? We're starting to get little trickles of off-season stuff in here on the playoff stuff. I love it. Yeah, it's 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 this is this is fun. Yeah, we're we're getting just enough to kind of like, yeah, let's go. Let's 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 get into it. And they're like real things, too. This isn't just, you know, hey, let's talk for the 400th consecutive day about this made up Russell Westbrook trade. Right. Like, you know, I know you. Yeah, I was going to say, I know you have to do that (laughs) on the sister channel. Um, But, you know, that's in that that. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Right. But, yeah, I just I I think here it's just, you know, it's just uh, this is just like. This is great. I love getting these little little snippets because it starts getting your mind working and, you know, at least causes me, "Eh, let me go look at this. And I start looking at different stuff and seeing how it can work. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be an exciting off season. Well, I think we can wrap things up there. Appreciate everybody for for joining (laughs) us. Thank you guys. Make sure you do subscribe to the NBA front office YouTube channel. Don't forget to turn on notifications and over on the podcast side, we love all the reviews that we're getting over on Apple podcast. Thank you guys for those and of course the five-star ratings as well 
Till next time, everyone. And thanks for all. Sorry, yeah, Trevor. Thanks for everybody who made all the really nice comments on our last yes. video with Eric Pincus and talking about sports business classroom. We we really appreciate Eric for coming and hanging out with us for uh, you know for a while and get getting to learn about a really cool experience. Especially you know I we I did see a couple people like this was really cool to learn about that. And I actually had two different people shoot me an email um, and say hey that was really neat i had always wondered about it wanted to know more information so thank you guys for having eric so thanks to eric for joining and just then for some really cool nba talk around the sports business classroom talk That's as well right absolutely appreciate all of those kind words that we received after our last episode till next time everybody yep. see ya and stay safe every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.